Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 17 to 28. While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked a favor of him. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Declare that these two sons of mine will sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left, this is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard it, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The topic of this is, is an interesting question. It's one that um, there's varying opinions on this. Uh, and, and that is, what does the kingdom of God actually look like? What does the kingdom of heaven look like? When we picture the, the time when the, uh, uh, we all go into the kingdom of heaven, what does it look like? We're talking about this a little bit in the, in the Bible study that we've been doing on Saturdays, but it is one that is open to suggestion, it's open to interpretation, it's also open to argument. People continually wonder, you know, is it, is it like this or is it like this? You know, there are many that believe that it is a, um, uh, the, the kingdom come on earth, meaning that the earth will be fulfilled again, that uh, we will see basically what we see now, plants and trees and birds and uh, dogs and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, even, even you'll be there, you know. Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people are going to be there. But back in the time when we talk about kingdoms in the first century, this is the, the thing that uh, people were seeing. When they, when they discussed kingdoms, they... They thought of palaces, they thought of royalty, they thought of power, they thought of people sitting in thrones and being served. Kind of like what we think now, really. Not, not much has changed since the first century. If, it's a, it's a, a difference between what God does and what we do. Uh, what we do is we build kingdoms that are powerful. And the first thing we do is we put some knucklehead in charge that really doesn't know what they're doing, but we follow them blindly, and they sit in a throne and everybody serves them, and whatever they say, the people that are behind them back them up. They will defend them to the death. And the, when we say to the death, that's the first thing that they do too, is they arm that kingdom to protect themselves from anyone that might have a second opinion. 
That's what it was like in the first century, especially during the time of Jesus. They were ruled by a kingdom. They were ruled by people that were in charge of them. You did not step out of line. When you walked into a, um, a community, you saw that people were being repressed, people were being um, pushed around, and the people that were following Jesus were those people. They were poor. They had no rights. They had to fall in line. They had to step lively. And so when Jesus tells them that he's going to go into Jerusalem and he starts to say, the Son of Man is going to get the snot kicked out of him, he's going to be hung on a cross, and he's going to die. They don't, they don't comprehend that. Uh, we, we can comprehend it because we've seen the end of the movie. We, we know what he's talking about. But I want us to place ourselves in that first century when Jesus is saying, I have to go to Jerusalem because the Son of Man is going to die. The people around him just, that is not something to comprehend. How would you, how would you deal with that if somebody said, this is the way that the kingdom is going to happen. I'm going to be snuffed out. No, nobody that's running for president or anything first says, I'm going to sacrifice myself. And if, you, if they do, you think, oh, that's a political line or something like that, you know. That's a cute baby. That's a cute baby. I'm sorry. Everyone's got to stop because, you know, not because he came in late, but because that's a cute baby. So. <laughs> Does someone like that cute baby have power in the kingdom of heaven? Do they have power? I mean, how do we define power? As parents, we want to protect our children. We want our children to have the very best. That's why the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, they were also called the sons of thunder, uh, kind of believed that they were kind of loudmouths, you know? Uh, Jesus had uh, kind of pet names for a lot of people, and usually it was a kind way of saying, you're obnoxious, you know? So I'm going to call you the sons of thunder because you're loud, you know? Um, the mom comes up to Jesus, and I love how, you know, I think I picture like Jesus sitting here, and it says she kneels in front, you know, but this is a, this is a mom, you know, <laughs> you know, if it's anything like my mom, it's like, hey, listen to me, come here, come here. <laughs> you see those boys over there? Those are my boys. Yeah, I wanted them to be doctors, but instead they're following you. I don't complain, but that's just what, it, <laughs> you know, that's fine if they, you know, they're cousins. All doctors, but no, you. Uh, so here's the deal in your kingdom, could you set them on? I don't care which one, but one on the right and one on the left in your kingdom. Could you just do that? Do me this favor. That's what my mom sounds like sometimes. Jesus says, I. <laughs> just a second ago, I was telling you that I'm going to go and get beaten up and hung on a cross. And you're talking about position in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the lesson that we like to teach on this is that this is all about that power and that wanting that prestige and all of this kind of stuff, that they're, that they're, they're vying for it. And the 10 other disciples, they get really offended by this. How dare James and John think that they're better than us? How do they think that they can have that much power in the kingdom of heaven? Where are we supposed to sit? 
But can you blame them? Their idea of a kingdom was this one thing. They, they did not know what a kingdom of Jesus really was. They saw it as a place of, of royalty and of power, of status. We see things in our world today as a way of status. And if we're not this, we're nothing. When they thought of the kingdom of heaven, they thought of that status. The mother of James and John thought, if my sons are not on that throne, it's either here or it's here. You're either the Roman Empire or you're us, which is in many cases considered the scum of the earth. And we look at this and we think, well, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't fall for that. But today we're falling for it more than we ever have before. You know, when I was a kid, when I was, uh, um, I wasn't really a kid, the 80s, we had the Cola Wars. <laughs> People, the reaction is like, oh, God, I remember those. I'm glad we survived. You know, that was, <laughs> that was the worst. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you love to have that be our division now? But it was. Both of these companies, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they started a campaign war against each other. Pepsi did this thing called the Pepsi Challenge, where they'd put, you know, you'd go to a store and there'd be somebody with two things in a box there in front of it, and they'd have try it, and then you'd say, well, I like this one. They'd say, oh, you picked, you know, this one, and all, and all that kind of stuff. And you'd walk away and say, you know, I took the Pepsi Challenge. You know, I'm a hero, you know, and um, we didn't have much going on in the 80s. <laughs> And they spent millions, millions of dollars trying to coax everybody onto one side. And the biggest campaigns that they were doing was about status. They would, Pepsi would hire the, the biggest pop stars of the time. Michael Jackson did an ad uh, for Pepsi. Coca-Cola did uh, the same thing, and they would try to wean people and get to the, the, the biggest stars of the time. Super Bowl ads, that's where it really kind of started with the, the humongous price tag on these things, is because they were trying to say, if you drink this, it's, you're cool if you drink this. You're happy if you drink this. You are like these people if you drink this carbonated sugar water. This will make all your dreams come true. You will be Michael Jackson. You will be Paula Abdul. You will be any of the celebrities of the time if you just buy this two-liter bottle and drink it. And a lot of people identified with it. A lot of people not only started to buy the soda, they started to buy the clothing that said that they buy the soda. Coca-Cola shirts, Pepsi shirts, Pepsi hats, Coca-Cola hats. They were making millions and millions of dollars by making people think that they had to be in that status. I'm a Pepsi drinker. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> wow, I could tell by the hat. It was, it was about the, the, 
whether or not you were cool. And people, believe it or not, in the 80s would argue about this. I remember I got sold on Coca-Cola. I remember Memorial Stadium, where the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers play, they, for years, had Coca-Cola as their, their thing. You went in there, you got a Coke. That was the status. I knew I was cool. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't allowed in colleges, but I was allowed in the stadium, and I could get Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so I knew that I was part of that upper crust. In a sense, having that soda put me on the throne with all the other people. I was as good as the players on the field. Because you know their diet was just sugar water. <laughs> That's what put them in such great shape. But there was a time when it was announced that uh, Memorial Stadium, the University of Nebraska, made a new contract, and that contract went to the enemy, Pepsi. How dare they? I was <laughs> embarrassingly upset about sugar water at a stadium. Because I thought, how could you do this? You're, that's the other side. And again, I just I want to remind you, we're talking about sugar water that's carbonated. That's it. But we turn it into a thing of status. If this was during the 80s, James and John's mother, they'd be approaching, you know, can you get my son one of those Coca-Cola t-shirts? Can you do that for me, you know? Uh, that was the 80s. Things of status have gotten a little bit more serious these days. I don't... I don't know what it's like to be a teenager these days. I don't know what it's like to be a, a youth these days, and I don't know what it's like to be a parent of a youth these days. Because every day, children are exposed to the status of what they should be, of what they should be. Every day, they grab something, they flip through something, they turn something on, they look at something, and every day it is multiple, multiple imagery of people saying, if you want to be here, you've got to be this. And how do I know that people are, 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 can fall for that? How do I know that this is serious? My, my son is an adult now. I, I know, I don't look that old, but he's really an adult. I had him when I was six. But... Um, <laughs> The reason that I know that it's hard for children is because I see adults falling for it too. It, it's, it's a community thing. We, we don't see our empires as people in thrones. We see our empires as the person on social media that has the most likes, the most hits, the influencer. The, the person that says, I wear these, and now everyone else wants to, too. The, the, pe the person that has all the, the, the hearts and the, the thumbs up and the, the little uh, flame thing. I still don't know what that's all about. But all of, all of the, the, the tons of followers and all of that stuff, and they influence and they have their opinion. And if you don't match their opinion, 
you're not part of that group. And people want to be part of that group. So much so that they'll do things where you see uh, uh, TikTok stunts or whatever they call them. The, la the latest one is a, a Kool-Aid stunt where uh, teenage kids are just running through walls because they want to be like the Kool-Aid guy, so they run through fences. Uh, yeah, they're getting concussions all over the place and they're doing this because they want to be part of that group. It sounds foolish, doesn't it? If somebody came to you and said, you can be really cool, all you got to do is just run through that brick wall. But you know what? We're also being told uh, that if you want to be cool, you have to vote for this person. More importantly, if you want to be cool, you have to hate that person. And we're falling for it. We're, we're falling for this status of wanting to be on the throne of whoever we think the empire is made for. We want to be on that right or left side, just like James and John. James and John did not fight this because they wanted to be in charge of everything. They thought that's where they were supposed to be. The only reason that the other 10 were upset because James and John asked is because they were the first to ask. Everybody thought that that was the definition of success, that was the definition of empire, that was the definition of who they were supposed to be. And today, we do the same thing by following people that tell us that we have to be anything but who we are. It happens to our children and it happens to us as adults. Every day we are faced with somebody telling us that we are not here because we are ourselves. The point that Jesus was make, making, this is why this follows him saying he's going to give his life. He's going to sacrifice everything that he is. His empire is going to crumble before our eyes. It's amazing that that is followed by this imagery of an empire, a kingdom. And Jesus tags it with saying, this is, this is not what you think it is. In Jesus' kingdom, we are not here to be served, but we are here to serve. It was revolutionary then. It's revolutionary now. 2,000 years, we're still struggling with that. We still think that success and the kingdom and things like that involve power and having people below us. When Christ says, it's not even close to that. It's the exact opposite of that. The saddest thing that I see are children to adults thinking that in order for them to be uh, something in this world, they have to deny who they are. That's sad, isn't it? 
It's, it's no longer about buying a, a shirt that says Coca-Cola on it or a hat. I don't know why I pointed it in my head for shirt. I'm putting it on. It's, it's more about I have, to, I have to be this person. I, have to, I, I not only have to wear this, I have to, I have to be this. I have to deny who I am. That's not, that's not what Christ is telling us to do. Christ is telling us that the kingdom, the kingdom is you, all of you. It's, it's not about thrones. It's not about being this one person. The kingdom is about God's creation living in community. That means who you are. That means who you are. It, it, it means our individuality. It means who we are. Who God made us. Who God loves. Challenge for you today. And instead of strolling through, or scrolling, whatever it's called, through your things, instead of looking at the lives of other people, and it's not even the lives, there's no reality to any of this. Take a, take a scroll through who you are. Instead of looking through the latest politics and the latest things and the latest influencers and the latest things of telling people who, what, what, what uh, the, the success is, look at who you are. What's my life been like? Who am I? Who am I that God loves? And why does God love me so much? You're part of that kingdom. Every single one of us. Was that too long? No. Okay. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, help, help us to just understand that kingdom just means in your presence. Help us to understand that uh, heaven is in communication with God. Help us to understand that uh, our eternity is about love. Love. Love for who we are and love for our neighbor for who they are. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.